Well, thanks, uh, Jake, for sharing your story with us, and love having you guys here at the church. Uh, wanted to give a little bit of an update. Uh, we've been talking all-in stuff um, the last few weeks, give you guys a little bit of an update on, on where we have been, where we're at. And so uh, last Sunday we had our all-in offering, just uh, coming together as a church to uh, bring a special gift back to the Lord. And we've had two goals that are set before us uh, this month. And the the one big one that we keep talking about is the getting the whole church family together on this, that we would have 100% participation uh, as a church, that we don't want to leave people out. Uh, if we're a family, we, as much as we love our family traditions, we wouldn't want uh, our loved ones to miss out on those things. We don't want to have one of us missing out on the joy of giving back and being part of this uh, tradition that we have as a church. Uh, so that's goal number one. And goal number two that we had set before us was to, in the month of December, raise a little over $10,000, which is a lot for a little church and campus like ours. But we've been saying that, hey, if we're all doing this together, uh, we can do a lot more together than we ever could by ourselves. And so uh, last week as we came forward, um, what a, a blessing that was just to, to do this together, to worship God together, and just excited and encouraged, and I hope you will be too. Um, you should have gotten a, a video with an update from me this week, but in case you missed that, uh, just to show you where we're at right now, um, for that, that first goal, we're a little bit over uh, 50%, 56% of our church family has come together and participated in this, and so that's really, really cool that by this time of the month, with people traveling and being gone, or uh, we know with the crazy things going on around Christmas that already more than half of us have come together for this. That's something to praise God for. Uh, and my prayer is that hopefully we'll continue to see uh, more people coming and in, involved with that. So uh, we're excited as well as um, it's not on this screen, but we've had two new people uh, engage in giving with us. And so if, if that's you, thank you so much for that. Uh, appreciate that. And just uh, I hope that you find a great joy in what it is to just enjoy giving and being part of uh, this, this generosity that we get to share. And as God's been so generous to us, uh, the blessing that we have to be part of that and to be generous as well. So thank you for uh, investing in God's kingdom. Uh, in his kingdom work. And uh, so far, we're a little bit over $7,800 towards our financial goal, which is huge. I'm, I'm honestly very blown away by that, super encouraged by that. Uh, and so hopefully as the month continues, we'll, we'll continue to see people joining us and, and being part of this and as we continue to work towards these goals. But um, again, the, the heart of all of this is to worship God, right? To uh, not bring attention to ourselves, not to bring attention to uh, just even our church, but to say, hey, Lord, you are so, so good. You are so good to us. You are so faithful. Uh, and it's our desire this Christmas as uh, your people to honor you, to worship you uh, as your family. And so uh, that's, that's our heart and our desire behind all of this and uh, that we would do life as a family. That's why I'm encouraged, uh, so thankful for all the people from Plano that you came and are ministering to, to us today. It's just a, a cool picture and reminder for us that we're part of something that's bigger than just a, a small country church, right? We're part of a a family, a village Bible church that's bigger. We're a part of uh, God's kingdom and his church, which is bigger than even village. And so uh, God is, is far greater than we can even begin to wrap our minds around. And, and what a blessing that is to, to worship him and to honor him and to do life together. And so um, just want to encourage you with that. And uh, I'm going to ask you to pray with me now. We're going to turn our attention to uh, God's word and a message uh, this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you. Uh, Father, grateful for the joy that you've given us, the reason to celebrate at Christmas. 
I don't know that we can fully wrap our head around the significance that you sent your son to dwell among us. To wrap our heads around just the, the humility that he displayed. The impact that his life, his death, and his resurrection have on our lives today. And so, Lord, I pray. I pray that this Christmas, as we devote times in our service to celebrate, to sing, and to worship, to come together, to open your word, that we wouldn't get caught up in the ceremony of things, we wouldn't just get caught up in the service of things, but that we would get caught up in worship. Lord, you are a great God, and you are worthy of all that we have to bring. Our life, our passions, our resources, our time, our energy, you're deserving of all of it. And so may we bring our lives before you as a collective body in an act of worship, lifting you up and celebrating the goodness that you've shown to us this season. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to invite you to grab your Bibles, or if you need a Bible, grab the one that's in the, the chairs in front of you, or pull out your phone, whatever you're going to do, and open to the book of Jude. We don't often find ourselves going to the book of Jude, so if you're wondering where, where is that, and you need a little refresher, the book of Jude is way near the end. So go find Revelation at the end of the Bible, and right before that, the book of Jude. It's super short. If you're flipping through the pages, you might flip past it. It's one page. One chapter, that's it. There's not a whole lot to it, but there's a lot of depth uh, that's packed into this short little letter. And we're going to just look at a couple verses uh, kind of in depth this morning. Uh, but for those of you who weren't uh, here with us last week or uh, maybe weren't at Plano campus last week, we've kicked off our Christmas series. Uh, we're going to spend just a few weeks kind of taking time and looking at uh, some of the original and significant Christmas carols, the ones that we, we sing. There, there's there's a, a history behind these things. So last week, uh, we kicked it off talking about joy to the world uh, and kind of getting into the history behind that and seeing a little bit of the backstory to the person, Isaac Watts, uh, who wrote that song that we sing and celebrate uh, this time of year. And as we do this, we're going to continue to look at some of these songs. And our goal has been to kind of dive into the deeper meaning behind the lyrics, right? And so part of that's looking at some history. Part of that is looking and paying extra attention to the words that we sing. And, and as we do that, looking to the scriptures, right, and saying, what does the Bible have to say about these things? What's the, the biblical, the scriptural significance that maybe inspired those songs or, or, or facilitated them becoming so significant? So that's kind of our, our heart this Christmas. And this morning, we're going to be looking at a song called God Rusty Merry Gentlemen. And while some of the songs we're going to be looking at gained their significance because of maybe the person who wrote it, like Isaac Watts, and we might think of other Christmas songs, like I said, Blue Christmas, who made that song popular? Elvis Presley, White Christmas, to keep with our colors. Bing Crosby, right? So some of these songs become popular because of who they're associated with. Some songs, uh, even like Joy to the World, have kind of a unique and cool history behind them. But God Resty Married Gentleman is a little bit different because we don't know who wrote it. It's an obscure, it's kind of an anonymous song uh, that we have. We don't know much history behind it. We know it probably came from sometime in the 1600s, but 
In some ways, that's kind of what we've got to work off of. And so as we look at this, we're going to spend some time this morning kind of looking at the lyrics themselves, right? Uh, What is it that we sing? What's the message uh, that we're celebrating in this song? And so uh, we're going to be talking through some of those, but kind of focusing our time on the first verse, right? This is one of those songs that, uh, I don't know, even our worship team, right, as we were planning and putting stuff together, we're like, which arrangement of the song do you go with, right? Because if you were to Google the lyrics for God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen, you're going to find all sorts of different arrangements, right? There's lots of different verses, and many of them retell and recount the Christmas story. And so we're going to see things in in the song like in Bethlehem in Israel, this blessed babe was born and laid within a manger upon this blessed morn. The witch's mother Mary did nothing taken scorn, O tidings, of comfort and joy. We're going to see fear not then, said the angel. Let nothing you affright. This day is born a savior of pure virgin bright to free all those who trust in him from Satan's power and might. O tidings of comfort and joy. Great, great hope, right? Great things to celebrate, to rejoice in in the song as we remember the significance of what took place on that early Christmas, that first Christmas we celebrate. But this morning, I want to focus our attention more on the lyrics of that first verse. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember, Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. O tidings of comfort and joy. And so my goal this morning, what we're going to do is just actually kind of take that verse and work a little bit backwards through it. We're going to start at the end and kind of work our way back through it. And what we're going to see is that the song that we sing offers us a few special reminders uh, this Christmas season. We're going to see those uh, affirmed and celebrated in the scriptures as well, especially here in the book of Jude. And the first of these reminders that we're going to uh, come across comes in the lines that remind us of the problem. The problem that we have. Now, uh, those last couple lines of the, of the verse say, To save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. There's a problem. There's a problem uh, that faces humanity which makes the message of Christmas good tidings of comfort and joy, right? There's a a problem that we have to deal with, and simply put, that problem is the reminder that we've all blown it. Every single one of us have blown it in our relationship with God. We've fallen short. So if we pay attention to the lyrics of those songs, we're admitting that, right? As we sing a song like God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen, we sing, say, hey, we all needed a Savior. We all needed saving. We all had gone astray. And that's the reminder that we're going to look at just a little bit now. All of us have wandered and gone astray. Isaiah 53, verse 6 says, And all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And in our wandering, as we've strayed from God, we have submitted ourselves to a different authority. We have submitted ourselves willingly to another, making ourselves, in effect, an enemy of God. Basically, what it is, we, we joined the rebellion against God. A good, perfect, gracious, loving God. We joined the rebellion against him. And it looks different for all of us. 
But the roots and the effects of that rebellion are true across the board. So last week, right, we listened to uh, Lewis's story. Today we got to hear Jake's story. And these guys, as they share their stories, and if we were to take the time and have every single one of us come forward and share our story, we would find that it's true. We had all gone astray. And while it looks different, while in Lewis's story that we heard last week, we might remember, okay, hey, he's talking about how he was, he was kind of running from God. He was hiding behind self-medicating and trying to deal with the pains and, and the process of the world, and it was consuming him, ruining his life. Jake, this morning in, our, in your story, you're talking about how the, the greatness of a game like basketball, we can become consumed with trying to become top tier consumed with being, I'm the best guy in the room, and pursuing that success. I know for me, it was my, my wandering was just trying to be the greatest guy, so that anybody who looked at Jeremy was like, what a guy, what a guy. I mean, he doesn't do anything wrong. Jeremy's just quality, top-notch. He doesn't make people mad. He doesn't disobey. He doesn't, he doesn't break the rules. I'm a rule follower. And that became exhausting for me, just trying to keep up. And it became where, to the point where it was like, no matter what group I was with, I was kind of becoming somewhat of a chameleon, just trying to become who was necessary to fit in, to be accepted. Your wandering might have looked different from all of those, maybe similar. But we've all wandered, we've all gone astray. And as we have, we've all stumbled in sin. All of us have stumbled. So Jude reminds us that God is able to keep us now from stumbling. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a bit. But Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. Right? So this is one of those things as we remember this, as we're reminded of this, not meant to say, hey, dude, you should feel you should just feel like crud. Because remember who you were. Remember those things. That's not the point. The point is to say how great God is. Look at what I was. Look at who I was. Look how gracious God is. Look how merciful. Look how mighty God is that he took that he took this self-consumed guy that wanted to be the accolade to everybody's day said, I'm going to transform him. I'm going to redeem him. Praise be to God. But also it's a reminder to say, hey, it's not about judging other people. Because maybe now uh, I'm in a place where like, Okay, God's redeemed me. God has saved me. I'm, I can see how God has changed my life. And it doesn't mean that now I have the privilege of looking down my long nose at somebody else and saying, man, look at the junk that you're struggling with. How could you struggle with that? Won't you get your act together? That was me. So maybe I should show mercy. Maybe I should show kindness. The book of Jude calls us to that in some sense. It calls us to show mercy. If you were to look at verse 22 and kind of following, show mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To show others mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by the foot. This is not a message of condemnation. It's a message that says, man, I've found hope. 
despite myself. Perhaps God's going to do that with somebody else. So let me not ruin that opportunity. Now, a lot of times as we look at our own lives, we might be tempted to, to make little of our sin. Even today, even as we walk with the Lord today, we might be tempted to say, it's not that big of a deal. Or we might be tempted to compare our stories with somebody else's. Now, I know I had my struggles, but, <laughs> I mean, you heard theirs. Whew, that's something else. Not, I'm not calling you out, Jake. <laughs> You're like, don't take it personal. The scriptures tell us, book of James, that if we break one iota of the law, we are guilty as to breaking the entirety of it. The whole shebang. Now, that might seem kind of harsh, right? Like, dude, if I got a life sentence for a minor traffic violation, you might think, hmm, maybe not entirely fair. But the scriptures say that what? A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Now, with the youth group kids, I like to say, a little deposit from the dog's pile in the backyard ruins the whole batch of brownies. And they're like, oh! I had one kid uh, come up and I had this brownie in my hand. And I was like, oh, don't you want it? They're like super excited about it. And I, so I gave it to them. And right before they took a bite, I was like, by the way, I took just a little bit of dog poo from the backyard. And they couldn't do it. They couldn't eat it. And I wonder, I wonder if sometimes that should be our mentality towards sin. That just a little bit ruins the whole batch. That it's sick. That's gross, Jeremy. It's, it's sick. But how often do I justify myself? How often do I just brush it off? But to stop and say, Lord, this is not my desire to walk in this way. Man, I need someone to save me. I needed that. Because I could not do it on my own. And that's where the song gives us our, our second reminder. That despite the fact that here we are, we find ourselves in the midst of this problem, the song speaks of the provision that was given. The, the lines right before all that go back to say, Remember, Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. So I'm in, I'm in the muck. I'm in the junk. I'm in the problem. But remember, Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. It, the song reminds us that the message of Christmas is that our problem necessitated somebody bigger and somebody better coming to save us from the problem that I created, from the problem that you created. We needed Jesus. So remember that. Why? Because he came to save us. And now, the irony is, as we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate the coming of this little, precious baby boy. Now, I couldn't help thinking of Noah, right? Little Noah. He's so teeny, right? Newborn, just, you know, a couple weeks old. And you look at this little newborn baby, and you're like, so helpless, beautiful, precious, but helpless. The fullness of God in helpless babe. The wonder of all of that. 
and we celebrate a baby who was born that wasn't just like Noah, wasn't like Pete or Henry or any of our kids, right? A baby who was fully God, fully human. A a God who came in in strength and in sovereignty, right? Uh, That's as we look at the, the person, or as we look at Jude, right? The opening verse of 24. Now to him who is what? To him who is able. There's a, a capacity, there is a competency in Christ to save. Where I was unable, where I could not do, where you could not fulfill these things, there was a competency, a strength on his part to save. As you look down into verse 25, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority. And those closing lines, before all time and now and forever. Our God, our Savior, is strong, He is sovereign, He is able, and He has dominion and He has authority at all times. That's why we can sing and celebrate that He saved us from Satan's power because their powers are unalike. They're not similar to each other. Now, the argument of of who's the GOAT, it's different than like talking about who's the GOAT when it comes to like Jordan and LeBron. Right where, where people can debate on it and be like, well, you know, if you were to try to compare the eras in which they played and, and all these, the, the different rules and all these, well, then you look at the stat lines. Well, look at the championships. It's not like that. God and the enemy don't share. They're not on the same playing field. The scriptures never present it that way. But always show that the devil, the enemy, is subject even to God. Always. Always. It's not like there's this this great duel going on of God and the devil, and you're like, well, who's going to win? And it's like, well, I guess we know Revelation, so we got some hope that you know good's going to come out on top. No, dude, it's never, ever been that way. Always the enemy has been subject to him. I'm reminded of Job, right, where... He goes before God and he, he has permission to go and inflict all of these terrible things on Job. But what? Nothing beyond what was granted him to do. Always operate, operating within the confines of, how, of the parameters that God had set up. God, our King, our Savior, has dominion and authority before all time, now, and forever. Great, a great reminder. But how do we know that in the end, what confidence do we have that on the day, as we talked about last week, right, joy to the world not actually being written for Christmas? You know, the, 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 the earth receive her king, looking ahead to the second coming of Christ. What's the confidence that when that day comes, that it's actually going to be a great day of joy for me, for you? What's the confidence? How do, how do we know? because we're reminded of the promise. Now, the promise comes in those opening verses of the line, but in the context of this letter in Jude. Jude, just to give you an overall, Jude's writing to some believers. 
early Christians, and he's, he's calling them to endure in the faith, to press on in the faith, and he warns them. His warning to them is that there are some out there who wish to lead you astray. There's people that are going to come, and they're in your midst. They've, they've shown up, and it's their desire to lead you astray through their messages, through their passions, through their actions. So watch out. You need to be careful that who you're following, who you're listening to is legit because you need to persevere in the faith. Don't give in. Don't join their rebellion again against God. And so he pleads with them to persevere through all of it. And the situation that he paints is is almost somewhat confusing and and hopeless. He says in verse 4 that these people have crept in unnoticed. It's not like they came in with signs and banners saying, Hey, here's a new message. Here's a new path. Here's a a new gospel that you should follow. They're unnoticed. They've crept in. They're in your midst. You don't know who they are. So watch out. He says that these are people who pervert the grace of God. Verse 8, he says that these people defile the flesh. They reject authority. They blaspheme the glorious ones. Verses 18 and 19, he says that there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions who cause divisions amongst God's people. And so the warning is, don't go down their paths. Because in their midst, the warning is extreme because the judgment is extreme on those very people. And so throughout this letter, this short letter, you're seeing him say, God, listen, God destroyed those in Israel who, when they came out of Egypt, they didn't believe. We see that in verse 5. In verse 6, we see God eternally condemned the angels who rebelled. In verse 7, God destroyed the immorality of Sodom and Gomorrah. And what, what he's saying is, such will be your outcome. If you follow these paths, but they've crept in unnoticed. And so you could almost imagine the thought process, and as you read through this letter, you're like, well, how do I know? How how do I know that the ones I'm going to listen to, how do I know that the ones I'm going to follow are legit? They're not counterfeits. They're not people who are going to lead astray. And the confidence comes in in verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you, See, it's not up to our own wits. It's not up to our own capability. The one who keeps us. We have one who is a great shepherd. So that's why we sing with great joy and confidence in the song, God rest ye merry gentlemen. It's not saying God give you a good nap on Christmas Day. God keep you. That's the idea. God rest you. God keep you merry gentlemen. God keep you. It's about the one who shepherds, the one who sustains. So not only did Jesus secure our freedom, but we are reminded and must continually be reminded that he is our shepherd even today. So I'm reminded then of what Jesus said, and we learned it back in our study in John's gospel, where he says of his sheep, that I will give them eternal life, John chapter 10, and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one's able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen, I am the good shepherd. Life has been given to my sheep, and they're good because I'm their shepherd. No one's going to snatch them. You know who's included in nobody? Even yourself.
So we have confidence. We have hope that we're reminded because God keeps us. And we don't move beyond the, the good news of great joy, but we move continually deeper into it, understanding it more fully, being guided and kept by the good shepherd. And so Jude, Jude, verse 24 kind of outlines for us the ways in which God keeps us. Now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, right, is the first thing that he says. That the victory that was achieved through Christ is the victory that's applied to our lives even today. That's not just some future, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for this life. I'm just waiting for this, this fulfillment. There's also a realization of it now. That we are victors in Christ. We are no longer slaves to sin, but slaves to righteousness. We serve a new master, no longer under the power of Satan, but set free. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 15, you guys probably maybe fall camp. We talked about this verse a little bit, right? That uh, no temptation has seized us, but what's common to man, and God is faithful. It's not like we find ourselves in situations where you've got four doors to go through and each door is sin, stumbling, sin, stumbling. You've got no options. God is faithful. He will always provide a way out. He is our shepherd. He will set our steps, direct our steps. He will, he will shift our gaze at times, but there's always a way out. He who is able to keep you from stumbling. Secondly, we're told that he's able to keep us, and this is the great joy, to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. And this is where it's not that you look back on who you were. This is now where I look back on my struggle and my story and say, yeah, I should feel guilty about this. To present me blameless. Do you ever just stop and think about that? to present you blameless. What a beautiful promise. All the crud that I've done, my sins washed white as snow. My Savior not condemning me in those things. But without spot or blemish, to stand in his righteousness, in his glory, in his forgiveness. That's something. Something that I think at times we say a lot in church, but we don't stop or slow down enough to actually appreciate. To the one who's able to keep us from stumbling and to present you blameless, it is not me presenting myself. It is not Jeremy saying, hey, I am just going to do the best that I can do to follow all the rules and to have a good track record. He's the one who's going to present me blameless. Not myself. It's in him. It's in him alone that I have hope, that I have joy, that I have confidence because I know that if I stood in my own doing, in my own merits before the throne room of God and before a, a, a holy and just God, that I would be condemned as guilty in myself. But we are clothed in his beauty, clothed in his 
righteousness. And so he is changing us, shaping us all the more. So that even today, as, as uh, 1 Peter talks about, we're, we're being refined. He's strengthening us. He's sanctifying us. That as our days go on, as we walk with him, we're becoming more and more we're resembling our Lord and our Savior. That if you were to look back a year, how has he shaped you? How has he molded you into his likeness? Can you see the growth and the development? And that's where he calls us, says, you know what, how we're going to do that? The body. The church. So Jake, you talked about the importance of community and being around, being plugged in, being part of a church. That's where we see life on life, iron sharpening iron. God working in and through us to his glory, for his good. So our hope that we have isn't just ourselves. Our hope that we have isn't just in traditions. Our hope that we have is in the one who keeps, the great shepherd that we have. So we can sing, God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. And we can mean that. Let nothing you dismay. Because what, as Allstate says, you're in good hands? We're not talking Allstate. We're talking the king of the universe, the creator of all things, the almighty God, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, the one who reigns supreme with dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. So God rest you, merry gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. Remember, Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Amen?